0: If you don't want to, if you don't want to answer something, just say parsnip. <laughs> okay. Okay. going to say it in a Scottish accent. <laughs> Absolutely. I wish I could do that. That's awesome. You don't have to be famous to be interesting. Welcome back. This time we are talking to another member of the Baron Space team. Her name is Zoe Dean. How you doing, Zoe?
1: Hello. I'm good. How are you?
0: Good. Did you get a chance to come up with a silly fact?
1: I did. A silly fact about me is most people who know me would know this. I'm a Big Danny Kay fan have been since I was very small. And before I do my audiobook work every single day, I actually use one of his musical gibberish gags um, from his films that he was famous for as my vocal exercise. I do the melody in 4F. Wow,
0: what is that? You got to do it. What is it?
1: <laughs> I actually have a hard time doing it right without him, but it's basically a gibberish song that Danny came up with when he was touring, before he was famous, in Japan. And he found out that he needed to be able to have some way to communicate with a Japanese audience without actually speaking Japanese. <laughs> and he had, he had studied Japanese mime and the way that they used their hands during, like, say, the geisha performances and things like that. And he incorporated that into the act and was able to learn a smattering of a couple of Japanese words. And he would get up there and he would, you know, spiel this gibberish. I actually have a recording of it that I could send to you if you want to stick it in at some Mm -hmm. point.
2: I will sing hey, young pup. Get the duck. to beat the get your to beat for sound, give him and <groaning> get we The mailman, to beat for someone. give him go and get give him to the and Because I really can't do it verbatim without him.
1: But he does the gibberish and then he would incorporate, you know, like, hayo or something Japanese into it with the mime and the audience just connected and they understood what he was talking about just through the mime. And it's a really limbering tongue exercise I discovered. And when I learned what the gibberish was and figured out exactly what he was saying, I figured out, oh, as long as I can listen to him, I can do it with him. And it just loosens my mouth up really nicely. So I use it every day now.
0: That's pretty awesome. And what is it?
1: It's a song from Up in Arms. Um, I don't know how many people have seen the movie at this day and age. Um, but it was done in 1944. It was Danny's first film, actually. The uh, song that they did presenting Melody in 4F, he basically gets up on the stage and he goes, you know, and that actually ended up becoming his signature for his radio program later on. He shortened it just to having that at the end. And that became his signature call on his radio program from 1945 to 1946, I believe.
0: I've actually heard a couple of things of Danny K on the radio. I like to listen to some old time radio shows every once in a while
1: are they great? Yeah,
0: they're the best. Uh, big fan of um, Jack Benny show. That's really good. Burns and Allen. I enjoy that. Yeah,
1: Jack was a good friend of Danny's, and Burns and Allen. Oh my gosh, they're just classic.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's not a show of theirs I don't like and laugh my ass off every time.
1: Yeah, same. I I grew up on Burns and Allen tapes. Actually, the, um, I think my grandparents are the ones who had them. They had cassette recordings in the '90s of Burns and Allen, and I grew up. On those tapes, I think I am actually the grandchild who ended up breaking them because I
0: listened to them too much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was hard to get them. Now you can just go to like archive.org and get every old radio show ever. But back then you had to find tapes or CDs if you were lucky or different things. Yeah,
1: If you were lucky being the operative term because they were expensive at the time, too. They still can be.
0: Yeah, and nobody knew what they were. I I, I always felt like I was the only one that knew about this whole thing. (laughs) I'm sure, you felt the same. So uh, I did. Yeah. What started your love for everything really old and cool?
1: My grandparents. Um, my grandparents, Lord rest them. Um, they. Basically raised me on the classics. I mean, the whole reason I love Danny Kaye so much is because of them. The very first time I ever saw Danny, I was four years old, and my grandparents had plopped me down in front of the TV on Christmas Eve to watch White Christmas with them. Oh wow! And uh, I just remember seeing Bing, and I mean, I even at that young age, I knew who Bing Crosby was because I was raised on his records, and. I cut my teeth on one of them.
2: even,
1: (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, just uh, Danny always just kind of stood out to me because when I was growing up, I kind of felt very much like uh, almost like an alien because I was the only redhead within my proximity. And I was also the only redhead to have a relatively large nose for my face at such a young age. And when I saw Danny for the first time and I was four, you know, like I I had never seen anybody else that looked like me on TV before. And Danny showed up and he could do all these funny things. And he made me laugh and he made me feel happy. And for the first time in my life, I, I really felt like I could connect with somebody because here was another redhead with a big nose on TV that looked like me that everybody liked. And... I, I mean, you know, I've been singing with his records since I was small and when I was 15 I rediscovered him and but I never actually saw all of his films until just last year and that was because of Matt Dale he he discovered uh some of them that were not available in the US for me and sent them to me and um I was able to see films that I had never seen before because I had grown up as a 15-year-old watching Patrick Stoner showing the court jester and the inspector general over and over and over and over and over again on PBS at 3 a.m. for the stretch of like a month. (laughs) And so I got really used to those films and I already knew White Christmas from having a copy of it myself. And then you know, then there was Roddy and um, Patrick McGowan, and you know all the other ones that I grew up on. It's it's all because of my grandparents. They knew when I was growing up that they had to put programming in front of me that was not only going to teach me something, but that was also going to interest me and help me to grow as a person and they managed it i mean i grew up on things like bonanza and remington steel and scarecrow and mrs king and the hardy boys nancy drew series murder she wrote all of these things i grew up with all of these people that that's how i became the old hollywood nut that i am (laughs) because grandma and grandpa had the sense that you know Here is here is a good raising ground for this child, and let's just sit her down and let the actors do the rest. And I'm so glad that they did that because my life has been so much more enriched, and I've actually been able to have so much more knowledge than kids in my age. Because when you're watching old movies from, like, the 40s and things like that, you're going to get a big vocabulary, and I did. I mean, I learned words that most kids didn't even, even, you know, hear of until they were in their fourth year of college. Mm. And I was like 10, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I learned about lots of really awesome things from it. So it was, it was very rewarding for me. And I'm very grateful that I had that upbringing.
0: Yeah. You can't beat those, uh, that era of stuff. Uh, I can't really count how many times I've seen the inspector general. I think, uh That was one of the first video cassettes that my dad owned.
1: Oh, wow. So I I think I wore (laughs) it
0: out, you know. I remember. I'm surprised it was, hmm?
1: I haven't worn out my copy because I, <laughs> I've, I mean, you know, I, I've only had it for a couple of months, but I think I've watched it about 572 times, mm-hmm. and that doesn't count the amount of times that I watched it on VHS after recording it that night, <laughs> that I did 15 years ago. Mm. So I, yeah, I love that movie too.
0: Mm. You're also a big fan of uh, Roddy McDowell. You have uh, on our network the Not Just Yesterday podcast.
1: That is correct, sir.
0: <laughs> Tell me about your uh, you discovering Roddy. I just recently uh, watched, um, what is it, A Leap for Lisa, where he guest stars in the Quantum Leap episode? Oh,
1: the best. The best. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Roddy actually goes back two years farther than Danny does. I started watching his films when I was two. Um, so just like Danny, he's been ever present in my life. I literally cannot remember a time when I haven't been watching him ever and um i don't remember which film i saw of his first honestly because it goes back so far um but i just remember when i was about five or six seeing that darn cat (laughs) and just thinking that his character was just so off the wall and annoying but at the same time he was adorable and i just couldn't take my eyes off of him and then Throughout the years, I remember seeing him in things like um, uh, the the Feather and Father Gang and um, Wonder Woman and, you know, just little TV spots that he did. Murder, She Wrote, particularly, I remember him from. And... Just looking at him going, this little guy is the cutest thing I have ever laid eyes on. I don't know what it is about him. He has a funny little voice. He sounds like a pygmy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's like a little leprechaun, but he's just the cutest little thing. And I don't even understand what I'm feeling. And so when he passed away in uh, 1998, I was only 10 and at age eight, I had kind of fallen head over heels in love with him. And it was primarily his voice that had ultimately just kind of made me crazy for him. Because like I said, he had that little voice that is just something about it. It was very comforting, very soothing. And, um, you know, I could just listen to him forever. And even to this day, the few audiobooks of his that I've been able to purchase. I just, I sit and I flog them to death. I play them over and over and over again because his voice is just so comforting. And I remember I saw, um, I had been given a VHS tape of Timmy's Gift, um, which was a Precious Moments short that was done on the Christmas story. And I I think it was 1996 or 1995, somewhere around there, that it was done. And for some reason this particular year, I had been watching it over and over and over again, and I just couldn't get enough of it. And I didn't quite understand why until it's still to this day. I don't know. Um, but I, I remember being so crazy about that tape and just watching it so many times. And I still have it somewhere and it still works, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> there was just something about the way that he spoke that really captivated me. And I remember the day that he passed away. I heard it on the radio and i remember being so devastated and i automatically very maturely for my age i think just said to myself okay he's gone so i have to think about something else and find somebody else to focus on and i did and i kind of pushed him back into the recesses of my mind and he disappeared for ni- for 19 years i never thought of him again i never saw him again it was like he just dropped off the off the face of the planet at that point understandably because he had died. Mm -hmm. And then in 2017, on the 17th of April, one day, I was going through a bunch of old pictures of actors that I have been fixated on for various reasons throughout my life. And I stumbled across a photograph of Roddy. But it didn't happen until after I had heard somebody, I guess it was Roddy, it had to have been now, in my head saying his name. And it popped out of nowhere. I hadn't thought of him in 19 years. I, you know, no idea. Wouldn't wouldn't even cross my mind in a, you know, for any reason whatsoever. And all of a sudden I hear his name in my mind and then I find his picture and I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember this guy. I haven't thought about him in years, you know. I just remembered that he had passed away and that I had been very upset when he had. And um, so I kept on doing whatever I was doing. And that night when I was sitting waiting for my mom to call us for supper, I was flipping through the channels and I happened upon MeTV and what were they playing but Columbo. And it was the episode that Roddy was guest starring in and it was the first time he had been on TV in almost two decades and I sat straight up, and I went, "Uh oh!" <laughs> <laughs> and that fa- the 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 remainder of the week, it was like he was following me around every single place I went. I stumbled on something of his in the library or on TV, and I just sat down one day, and I was like, "Okay, apparently you're following me.
2: <laughs> Why?"
1: <laughs> And um, so I started collecting his films and studying about his life. And that's ultimately how the podcast began and how my life changed. Because if it hadn't been for Roddy, I wouldn't have the career that I have now. He was the one who ultimately got me interested in voiceovers. And it was through my podcast. So the rest is kind of history at at that point.
0: I'm the same way. Voices really do it for me. Like uh, I was telling a friend the other day over dinner... Um, that i was in a relationship at one point with a woman that was great she was awesome kind couldn't really pick out anything a- bad about her and she mm-hmm. loved me but like her voice just didn't give me that spark and i'm right. very into voices i don't know what that is yeah
1: i am too yeah it, it i i i understand that because i'm the same way i mean ultimately what drew me back into danny k was his voice i i stumbled upon the Suspense Radio Podcast. Mm, that's a good one. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. And I actually found Roddy's episode, which was what introduced me to the podcast um, last Halloween. Mm. And I was like, ah, I have to download this, you know. <laughs> and I mean, I, I had the episode anyway, but I was so excited that, you know, it was a thing because I loved the suspense show. I had... um spent half of my my time as a 15 year old listening to Vincent Price's mm. suspense episodes and going I want this entire show I love it not just for Vincent but for everything about it and um i found Danny's episode while i was scrolling through you know enjoying all of the the exciting goodies that were presented in front of me including Gene Kelly and William Powell and a bunch of other people that i love and um I had never heard Danny do a serious anything before, and so the idea that he was doing a suspense episode was incredibly tantalizing, and I had not heard him speak in a really long time, Mm. where it was just him being the focal point. And... For all of these years prior, I had really just been watching White Christmas, paying attention to everyone and not really focusing on Danny. So I never really noticed Danny because I was too busy paying attention to everybody at the same time.
0: Mm.
1: Which, by the way, if you ever just go and watch White Christmas just for Danny, the whole movie changes.
0: (laughs) I might do that. I like that movie. I watch it every every holiday season. I really do.
1: Yeah, it's 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 it becomes so much more fun when you're just focusing on Danny's part, <laughs> um, maybe that's just because I, I'm crazy about him. But mm. that—that's another story for another time. <laughs> um, so I start listening to this this episode, and it's um, it's a story about a guy who is head over heels in love with this girl, and. He's she's marrying his best friend or something to that effect. And he decides that because his best friend calls him Prince Charming, that he's going to do away with him. And he plans out his murder and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's incredibly tense mm. and heartbreaking story Um, because in the end, she ends up getting convicted for the killing that he committed and he can't save her. Oh, wow. And just hearing the tone of his voice, recognizing you know, just like his speech patterns and mm. things like that. It became a very tantalizing thing just for his voice. And by the end of it, I was like, why have I not been head over heels in love with this guy since day one?
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> his voice, I mean, it just did it for me.
0: Mm. Speaking of having crushes on people for their voice, I am a huge fan of your voice. Not <laughs> only your your speaking voice, uh, but your singing voice. Oh, you have you. like... A beautiful voice in, in every way, and you, you shock me sometimes with your uh, um, accents. You can pull out of nowhere, it seems. But um, <laughs> uh, we're very lucky at Baron Space to have you. How did you uh, first come in contact with me, us, uh, the podcasts? How did how did we uh, get to be friends?
1: Um, it was through Leslie Wensel, actually. Hmm. Um, she had introduced me to the Quantum Leap podcast, and. I remember right after we found out that Dean Stockwell was sick, mm. um, I had wanted to kind of spread the word to kind of let people know and, you know, send positive thoughts and prayers and whatever, you know, a religion free thing mm. where everybody could just kind of band together and, you know, send up positive vibes and whatever they believed in to kind of help bring him back to health. Mm -hmm. And that was where my first podcast came into conception, which didn't last very long because, you know, so many things happened and my interests switched and, you know, Dean got better and my schedule got crazy and all this kind of stuff. I think
0: it happens to all of us. I I started uh, probably about three or four uh, podcasts before I hit on something that worked.
1: Yeah, yeah. And with with Dean, with the Dean's list, actually, Leslie was the one who encouraged me to look for people who knew. And one of the first people that she sent me to was you as far as like how to get it out there, Mm. Um, because at that point, my first episode was 10 minutes long. And it was just me recording into my voice memo app on my iPod because I didn't even have a mic then.
0: Mm. It works, though.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it does. And um, so my first episode I mean, I still kind of put it together in goofy ways. I mean, now now that I'm used to Audacity, um, I use Audacity more for my editing and things. But when I first started doing it, I was piecing things together in Windows Movie Maker.
2: Yeah.
1: And you know, converting it with any video converter to an MP3 format, and you know, talk about jury-rigged podcasting 101. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what it was from start to finish. And I was pasting clips from Quantum Leap, and I mean, to this day, I'm still quite proud of myself that I was yeah, able was to. A really
0: good first episode, because that was your first podcast ever, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, that was great. It was very impressive. Yeah,
1: I, was, I was very I, I remember going back and listening to it like six thousand times and going, mm. I made this. Really?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do the same thing to all my shows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone back and listened to several episodes of the Roddy show that I've done because. Mm. I just end up being so proud of the finished product. And it's not necessarily that I like going back and hearing my own voice. It's just hearing all of the effects and the music and everything after it's put together. It's like, whoa, this was done by me. Wow.
0: Oh, I do it to hear my own voice. (laughs) And we're humble, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was so lucky you had me on an episode of uh, Roddy McDowell, not just yesterday.
1: Yes, I did. Thank was, you for that. You're welcome. I was glad to have you on. I was sad you couldn't come on again.
0: Oh, it was a busy, busy, crazy, weird time for me.
1: Oh, I know. It turned out to be the same thing for me shortly afterwards. So I understand. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it was it was a lot of fun having you on that episode, and that's a, that episode is still one of my favorites too.
0: That's it's a good one. Uh, we did on what Planet of the Apes, right?
1: Yes, the first installment of the saga.
0: That is probably my go-to Roddy McDowell movie. Yeah, that's so good. If I had to. Guess one. So singing, you're you you every once in a while you put these uh, songs up on uh, Facebook and different things. Yes, and I really love uh, your style of singing. It's it's like a show that I would go to. Like if you did one, hint hint. Um, <laughs> I I, and I really like your Christmas songs and just the the style. And how, how did you uh, discover you had such talent for singing?
1: Well, that story goes back to my childhood, like most of them. Um, I don't exactly remember how old I was for this particular thing, because I've been singing since I was an infant, literally. My grandparents had always told me the story that I was not even a year old yet. And my dad started singing Amazing Grace, and I looked up at him and started imitating the notes. Obviously, I couldn't speak mm-hmm. yet, but they were amazed because I like wasn't more than eight months old and I was exactly on pitch. Wow. And it just blew their minds that I could imitate that at such a young age. And so apparently I had this facility to do that. And, you know, my parents had me sing in church and stuff when I was growing up. And I was in the choir and um, up until age 14, i was a soprano um and then when i hit you know my my 20s i dropped down to an alto i'm i'm almost a a baritone now really um my voice drops more every year but Hmm. as um, did mine yeah (laughs) well it's normal for you (laughs) Although um, the the women in my family do have uh, very deep voices. Um, Mm. So it's apparently a genetic thing um, because it's happened to all of us. Um, But I remember when I was very small, I used to sing with Snow White and Seven Dwarves and The Sound of Music all the time. And Snow White and the Seven Doors, particularly the dance sequence in that where she goes up to the really high notes and is clapping. And I remember the very first time I hit that, my parents were just like gobsmacked. They're like mm. couldn't believe that it was coming out of little me, you know, and that I was able to hold it for so long. And, you know, um, now, I, I learned later on that I had a facility to basically mimic whatever I was hearing, which came in handy later on, obviously. Mm. Um, so, you know, if I'm doing a recording with someone, I have to try really hard to focus on my own voice instead of theirs. Otherwise, you're going to have two of the same people. And, mm. you know, it gets confusing. But I started taking voice lessons at the age of six. And... um. I was trained in opera and Broadway, but I kind of hated the opera, (laughs) Mm. even though I could hit it. And it was fun learning the other languages, which it, you know, did later on come in handy for me to have that smattering of French and German and Italian. Mm. Um, Because now, you know, I'm, I'm reading, you know, texts that were written in the 1920s when French was the in vogue language and you know there's a smattering of french here and there and i can do the pronunciation relatively well because i took french in high school and i learned all these songs you know it came in handy but at the time you know i was little and all i really cared about was you know i i wanted to sing um you know let me entertain you from gypsy (laughs) you know (laughs) i i just loved the broadway tunes because that was me, me too yeah, that was really just what I knew too, mm. you know. I mean Rogers and Hammerstein mm. basically was like my blood, you know, that was just me. And that was my kind of my sound and Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney, you know, that was mm. that was my sound. Opera was not. I could hit the notes, but it wasn't my voice. Mm.
0: Rennie does a really good version of Let Me Entertain You. She watched <laughs> she- every version of Gypsy, I think, is that was out there filmed. Oh yeah, she loves that. Show. <laughs> it's adorable. My, yeah, my music taste is like standards and Broadway show tunes, like that yeah. mixture.
1: Yeah, it's it's good. It's really good.
0: Did you ever think of uh, doing like local theater or something with like musicals and stuff? Like,
1: yeah, I had done actually, but I had I had really bad luck with it. I mm-hmm. um I auditioned for several of them. Even uh, auditioning with, um, you know, songs from Funny Girl and things that really showed off my range. But because of my age bracket and because my voice was so ridiculously mature for my age, I mean, I I was 10 and I sounded like I was 30. Mm. I think it was probably because of the fact that my voice was so much older Um, And I had had training, whereas the other kids who were auditioning at the circuit, they were just kids from, you know, around town that weren't trained who just happened to, you know, carry a tune really well. And I think probably the people were who are in charge of the productions felt that maybe it wouldn't be fair to cast me. When I was the only one who had been trained and those kids, you know, had voices that were much more age appropriate for them. Whereas I was getting up there and I sounded just like Barbara Streisand and I was 10, you know, it's kind of I think it kind of creeped them out, but creeped me out for that matter. I didn't understand (laughs) it either. (laughs) I still don't. Um, And I mean, I'm I'm still trying. Um, But yeah, with with local theater, I've I've not really had a whole lot of luck.
0: Mm, Me neither. I only was in, uh, I want to say, one or two productions. Maybe Mm one. Yeah. So you ended up turning your um, voice talents into a full-time career now. Tell me about what it's like to be a voice actor.
1: It's cool. I mean, it can can be exhausting. It can be frustrating. It can be flat-out boring, frankly, sometimes, depending upon, you know, what – what books I choose. I've I have learned one thing though. I will never, ever, ever do Catholic eschatology again. <laughs> <laughs> My last project before the one that I'm working on now was The Four Last Things by Martin von Koheim, and it was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> I I was so bored reading the text. It was all, you know, the saints say that you should do this and this is what hell is like and all this kind of stuff and I was like oh my lord why have I done this please just get
0: get it get it over with you know yeah I, I not, not all work we do is fun sometimes no. it's, uh, <laughs> sometimes it's monotonous sometimes it's agony but uh, uh-huh. it's the, the good the fun ones make up for it sometimes
1: that was definitely agony I was having nightmares <laughs> in Latin for a month <laughs> It was
0: <really> <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> yeah your your work is actually on audible. And, and yes, people can is. go hear you. Is, are you allowed to say which uh, titles you did for people to go check it out? Uh,
1: yes. Um, I did The Invisible Girl, um, A New England Nun, Apollo. Sorry, Daphne and Apollo, um, A Southern Woman Story, which is my favorite. <clears throat> hint, hint.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: um, that was my first like proper Nonfiction sort of creative story. I really enjoyed doing that one. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. I'm working on one now, which won't be out probably in November. Um, I don't think I can say the title though yet.
0: No, don't don't get yourself in trouble, but yeah. we'll look for you. Um like when you go to Audible, can you click on the the red buy and like see a list of your books and stuff?
1: Yes. Actually, um if you go to my website, which I can give you the link for, I have a, a website um on Wix. Oh. Um I do have a section that says current and past projects and in there I have the link where you can just click on it and all of my work is already listed. There's only one thing there that's actually not me because the narrator also had the name of Zoe, um, oh. but it was, you know, spelled differently from mine. It had a Y on the end instead of mine. It's just an accented mm. E, but um, yeah, that that link is there and um People can click on it, or you can just type Zoe Dean. I mean, you don't even have to have the accent over it, and it will pop right up, and there I am. That's
0: very good, because I don't know how to type that. It's like, <laughs> you got to hold two keys and type in a number or something, or how it's does that work?
1: weird. I've never, I mean, I actually looked it up on Google, and I figured out how to do it, and I did it one time, and I was never able to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I just so I just annoying. go to
0: Facebook and copy paste your name.
1: Yeah, I do that all the time now too, and it, 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 it's it's funny. I have to do that from all all my YouTube videos too because I'm like, oh, mm. darn it, I forgot yeah. the accent. I can't get the accent. Yeah, that's funny. So I have to go back and do that every time. I can do it on my phone, but
0: oh yeah, the phone's easier because you hold the letter down and that gives you more options.
1: Right. I wish we could do that yeah. on computers.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the, the the old technology still. Yeah. There. Yeah, Rampant. I do, I I do that. I follow some uh voice actors for audiobooks like anything that Will Wheaton narrates. I I like to read.
1: Yeah, he's he's got a cool voice too.
0: Yeah. So, that's that's really cool. And I'm sure there's some people listening that are like, "Oh my goodness, I listen to that. I I listen to everyone on that."
1: <laughs> I actually so. do have a friend that I met on a Danny K fan site. Um mm-hmm. About a month and a half ago now. And one day she came into the living room and she heard my voice and she goes, is one of our audio, you know, because we, we would voice message each other on Facebook Messenger.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she comes out and she goes, oh, what? <laughs> that's Zoe. And she came out and lo and behold, <laughs> her mother had downloaded a seven woman story and was listening to the preview. Well,
0: that's awesome.
1: And when she told her mom, who is blind, um, that oh, wow. that it was me, mm-hmm. her mom just went, whoa, that is so cool. You know, somebody who works for
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's such a small world. I know. Uh, is, is that something like the more and more books you get the more offers and better offers you'll get? I certainly hope so <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's what my fingers are crossed for. I mean I, I have an agent but i've I'm, I've not actually gotten any work with them yet so mm. we'll see exposure is we'll good
0: yeah, that's what they say but it doesn't pay the bills right
1: <laughs> No it does not I am
0: so broke it's not even so. funny. Is that like your dream job to uh, do voice work and stuff? Or, or what would you like to do eventually? Like,
1: I would eventually like to move into working in front of the camera. I would like very much to be a film actress.
0: Mm-hmm. That's very nice.
1: That That's ultimately my dream, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, doing audiobooks has been sort of like a side dream, but I never expected to do it as anything more than a side gig. And I I still consider it just to be a side gig, honestly, even though I'm mm-hmm. doing it full time at the moment. It's my side gig.
0: So, so what's a typical day like for you? Cause I, I know like I work at home and you work at home and uh, yeah. me, I just, you know, work when I have to, or when I feel inspired to, or are, are you the same way?
1: Well, uh, for the, for the most part now, it's mostly when I, when I get a project, I'm definitely working as much as possible because, you know, I usually give like a month to two months, depending upon the length of the project. And then, you know, I'll say, I think I can have it done by this time and then I try to get it done by the time that I say I think I can get it done at.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So um with this project I had a rougher time because my neighborhood is very loud during the summer. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a soundproof box like most voiceover artists. Um, I work out of my room and the bugs are very loud. The neighborhood is very loud. The people are very loud. The music is very loud. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the weather has been nuts. I mean, we've been having monsoons every other day um, Uh, for like the last month.
0: We're scheduled for a hurricane in two days.
1: So, I'm so I'm crossing pl- my
0: fingers for you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Uh, we'll probably be okay. I'll, although all the the European models, all the arrows point right to where I live. Like the end of the arrow, <laughs> it leaves off there. So I'm hoping the warning,
1: uh, warning,
0: I'm hoping the American model is correct, but probably the so European too. one. We'll see. It'll be fun. It'll be an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll, I, got, I got the water. I got the I got the canned goods. I got I got running the vegan canned goods. So good. she can survive on baked beans and lentils and things. There you go. Lots of protein in those. Yeah. So and uh, what else? Oh, I got her those vegan complete cookies that have all the vitamins, Ooh. minerals and all the things in there. So yeah, they're chocolate chips. So sh- sh- I'm sh- sh- vegan sh- sh- be too. Happy.
1: I love those. Yeah, they're, they're pretty they're good. good. You
0: can't beat them because they're great for a snack. Yeah. And they got all the good stuff in it. So it'll be all right.
1: <laughs> my work day. If it's not too loud, um, I'll generally work for two or three hours, depending upon if my back holds out because I have an uncomfortable chair. <laughs> and um, then, you know, I'll try to get a chapter done. And if I can word check it and master it and get it all zipped up in the same day, great. If not, I'll drag it out until, you know, it, it's done, usually a day or two. And in between that time, I get up around eight thirty or nine in the morning, drink my coffee, have breakfast about an hour later. I usually watch one of Danny or Roddy's movies to start the day out because I I usually spend most of my time in front of the computer, so by the end of the day I'm too tired to watch anything. Mm. So I have my entertainment before work (laughs) instead of after. Yeah,
0: I like that. That's a good idea.
1: Yeah, it keeps me sane, actually. Mm. (laughs) And um so i'll I'll have my my um my my dose of pretty boyness uh, in the morning <laughs> and then uh, have my coffee and my breakfast and then shower and then work and then after that, you know it's usually pooping out on the couch and either taking a nap or <laughs> trying to watch something and falling asleep in the middle of it mm. or you know getting up and fixing myself something and then just going to bed and you know it depends upon how long it takes my long work days our nightmares. <laughs> mm. I'll get up um about the same time and you know get get ready for the day very quickly especially if I have a lot to do and I know it. Um and then I could be at the computer for anywhere from 5 to 18 hours depending upon what I'm doing. And I have um, those days
0: a couple days a week, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I uh, this this year, I mean this summer, I've actually cut it down so that I'm not doing that every single day because I was doing that every single day for a long stretch. And it was just absolutely exhausting. And it got to the point where I was. um, Especially when uh, the the neighborhood got so loud this summer, I told my client, I was like, look, you know, I'm going to need a lot longer this time. Uh, to get it done, and I'm gonna have to take more days off because I'm just getting sick all the time. Mm. So I've I've actually got it now where I'm working about five days a week. Well, that's good. And um, maybe, you know, two to five hours a day. So it's it's a lot better.
0: Hmm. I, w- I learned from uh, Scotty on Star Trek that you always like double the, the estimate of how long you think something will take. Because <laughs> I, I, I have to build in my nap time and give me extra time so I'm not stressed and anxious yep. about the whole process. And...
1: I normally do that, too, just because the fact that I do not have a very strong constitution. I'm sick. Like three days a week. Well, that's anyway, not
0: good. that's not good.
1: And you know, that's that's been you know my life since I was a teenager. Mm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm I'm like Elizabeth Taylor. I get sick at the drop of a hat <laughs> for no reason.
0: <laughs> well, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of infections in New Jersey. That's that's one of the reasons I moved out of. Yeah. It. So.
1: Yeah, and it, it's it, it's just for me, you know, stress turns into illness. Mm. So I I have to really kind of negate my stress level as much as possible. So usually I'll tell him, you know, if I think it's gonna take me three weeks, I'll tell him I need seven weeks, mm-hmm. you know, and just you know, do what I can to get it done within that framework, and right. still have time for myself. And you need time
0: for yourself, or you'll get sick. I'm I'm the same way. Yeah. If I overcommit, yeah. I'm very bad about saying yes to things because I think, oh, that's going to be a fun idea. But then when I actually have to do it, I'm like, oh no, why did I say yes <laughs> to that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was that was my last project actually. When I mm. when I was doing the, the the Catholic one, I was like, "Oh Lord, why <laughs> why did I do this? <laughs> I hate myself. Why have I done this?" <laughs> I was very glad when that book was over.
0: <laughs> what is the longest book you did? Was that it?
1: Yes. Mm. <laughs> um, the one that I'm doing now will probably top it because that one was that one was 30 chapters, and the one that I'm working on now is 34. So. Wow.
0: Did you yeah. did you do that uh, Scottish accent in any of them?
1: I'm doing it for one of the characters in this book. Yeah.
0: Oh wow! See that one. Um, I'll have to definitely uh, listen to when it's up.
1: Yeah, one of one of the characters, I mean, the the setting is in New York. So I mean you have your melting pot mm-hmm. right there. There's there's various types of, you know, people in New York, and especially at this time it was the nineteen twenties. Mm. And I really I, I have a lot of male characters to do, but I can only do basically one male voice. So the only way to really break it up is to have several different accents thrown in. So yeah. that's what I've done.
0: That makes sense. When you're doing accents, do you have to still read the entire text? Like or or is it can you kinda like uh do it like a shorthand because you are doing different accents versus like well, the printed uh, word?
1: Unfortunately it does have to be verbatim. Okay. Um that it would make my life a little bit easier if I could shorthand <laughs> it, honestly. Yeah, I, I guess it I depends
0: am- on who's paying you too and who hired you and what their book is and their
1: thoughts, Yeah, you know. and I mean, you know, I, I could be paid more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Couldn't we all, hint, right? client,
1: hint. Well, I, I think
0: that's how it works out. Like uh, anybody that does things like in the, on the creative side like we do is y- you do so much work early on in your career that you make hardly anything for. And then, yeah. you know, if you keep going and stick to it, then you make like ridiculous amounts of money for so much less work later on.
1: So That's it's what I'm hoping like, for.
0: It's kind of like you're earning it now, but not getting it yet, maybe, you know, yeah. that's how I look at things like that.
1: Yeah, I'm I I'm looking forward to the day when I don't have to do the editing anymore because I'm not being paid for the editing and the editing is a nightmare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate the editing aspect of it because for books, it's so boring. I don't mm-hmm. mind it for for podcasts mm-hmm. because editing during podcasting is my creative time. Mm-hmm. Where I can throw whatever I want in there and I can put a music track, whatnot. And that. In the editing process mm-hmm. for an audiobook, I'm cutting out the background noise in my breaths and hoping for the best.
0: <laughs> yeah, the breath sounds yeah. you got to take out for an audiobook versus podcasts, you usually leave them in.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I do take them out just because I prefer the clean sound of it all. I've gotten used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for my podcast, I do remove my breaths unless I'm interviewing someone, in which case, you know, you you really have a difficult time editing the breaths out for like a phone conversation. Right. Um, but you know when it, when I'm doing my narration. I cut it out just because it's distracting for me. I know other people wouldn't notice it. But when I hear it, that's all I'm thinking about. Crap, I left a breath in there. (laughs) You know, it's just like that just drives me bonkers. Like I can't I can't leave it in. I have to have the clean sound.
0: Do you do that thing like I do in my head, like when I'm speaking, I'm almost kind of seeing what I have to do to edit it later on to make myself sound okay?
1: (laughs) Yes, it drives me bonkers. Uh, it drives me absolutely bananas because here. I'm sitting there going, you know, oh man, you know, I have to, I have to master it this way, and I have to put it through this filter, and mm-hmm. oh no, I really need to re-record that because I sound bad, you know, right. this sort of thing. And the whole,
0: I, I, I'm constantly thinking to myself, is it easier for me to re-say it now and use that, or to edit it later?
1: <laughs> yeah. How many times do I have to snap my fingers and say this sentence? Come on, let's yeah. let's let's pick one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always I'm, I'm I'm very very hard on myself in my delivery particularly with you know audiobooks and podcast even I mean even though the podcast is more casual and I don't really have to worry about it so much there there there's just certain tones in my voice that I dislike (laughs) really
0: I no, I love your voice I honestly do like every every time I get like a Facebook voice memo thing whatever they're called I get excited I'm like oh it's her again because I love your voice I absolutely love your voice
1: I'm blushing up over my ears, Albie. (laughs) I'm a a
0: big fan. You're very talented speaking. And of course, your personality is awesome. Uh, And your singing voice is amazing. Can I play one of your songs on, on the show here?
1: You absolutely may.
0: That was Zoe Dean. See, her voice is as good as I was saying. So, uh, what's that process like recording music for you?
1: Um, it's, a, it's a little bit easier. Um, with having music, I don't really have to worry so much about what the background noise is going to be like because the music kind of drowns it out. Removing the breaths is easier because generally when you're singing... You um, pronounce your words a little bit more clearly and loudly than you would do, obviously um, when you're speaking. So the debreather program that I have doesn't tend to cut off the consonants as much, which is a big problem when I'm speaking, right. Because I'll go through and it'll cut off like a T or a K in the middle of a sentence and I'll sound strange, obviously. I've been
0: there. I'm so hoping – I can't wait for the update. There's an update to Adobe Audition uh, that's supposed to be coming out to where you can – it automatically knows all the voices and it converts it to text so you can like uh, find – like every uh, and just have it automatically oh. delete it, or every time, and it can actually, if you have more than twenty minutes of audio of someone speaking, it can actually change words and re- add words, so you can change nice.
2: things just oh like,
0: my gosh, just by typing, and then it does it for you. But I'm sure it'll be uh, glitchy at first. But I'm waiting probably. for probably, but that would be exciting. Sorry that to would interrupt be you. Where were we?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, well, well, with the debrether, ah, it, yes, it's debreuther. basically just. It's one click Mm -hmm. with singing for the most part, unless it's something where I'm singing a lullaby and then I have to go back and be a little bit more careful. Mm -hmm. But the nice thing about it is you have a certain amount of time. So if you have a certain amount of breaths, it takes you less time to cut it out. Mm -hmm. Generally, um, like lately, even I've been doing duets with Danny Kay so I have someone else that I'm singing with usually harmonizing with which mm. is a little bit easier on my voice because then I don't have to sing so loudly mm. because I'm compensating to mesh my voice with his and um, basically just you know singing in sync with the music it's, it's much more relaxing and I enjoy it a lot more than if I'm just recording something for a book where you know there's just me and then I have to worry about everything that's behind me when I'm singing with music, I don't have to worry about what's behind me necessarily, unless, of course, there's a mo- motorcycle going
0: by, you know? <laughs> airplane, that kind of thing. Dog barking. <laughs> uh, so many, so many times, like I've edited a podcast and there would be like a fire engine going by for two minutes, and they keep <laughs> talking, and I'm like, if you can hear it, then the microphone can hear it. Why would you keep uh-huh. talking? Just wait for two minutes
1: and shut up.
0: <laughs> oh well, I guess that's what I get paid for, right? To- <laughs> cut out fire engines with dogs barking on them and motorcycles right. passing the other direction all at the same time
1: well that's what additional tracks are for right yep, <laughs>
0: exactly yeah the brother it works better with music behind it yeah yeah that's 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 definitely a fact <sighs> inside baseball talk <laughs> um, sandy Kofax yeah <laughs> I would like people to get to know you more by you recommending a book, an album, a movie, and an episode of Star Trek.
1: Oh gosh. Okay. A book I would recommend, can it be an audiobook?
0: Absolutely. Those are the best kind. Okay.
1: Um, an audiobook that I would recommend just because I personally adore it. Um, is Marlena Dietrich, Life and Legend, and it was read by Roddy McDowell in 1992. Oh, wow. There's a lot of facts and information in It was very interesting and has actually been very useful to me. And could I, could I mention two?
0: Absolutely. As many as you want. Um,
1: <laughs> the other one is the Goldwyn biography that Roddy also read. I think they're both by Stephen Buck, actually. Yeah. And um, they're very, very good. And again, the the information in them. I mean, the books are severely abridged. I actually have physical copies of both of them. Mm. And I was surprised to find out actually how much was cut out for both books. Because both books are very fat, about 600 pages each. Mm. And... The Goldwyn book was cut down to three hours. Now, I know why they did that with Roddy's. It was because he was dying of cancer at the time Mm. that they recorded that one. Yeah. And he was basically, you know, could go any day. So they cut it way down. Mm. Um, But the one with Marlena was done in 1992. And I think they just probably either cut it down because... They may not have been able to salvage the tape because it was remastered from an audio cassette that uh, Roddy recorded in 1992. So maybe some of the audio wasn't salvageable. I don't know. But they cut that one down to about six hours when both probably could have been around 13 hours each.
0: Wow. Yeah. Usually when I do audio books, I make sure first that they're unabridged because I I feel like I'd be missing too much.
1: Yeah. That's why I got the physical copies of the books, just because I love them so much. And also... When I when I looked at the the Goldwyn book because I was trying to learn a lot about Danny Kay's career mm-hmm. and I, when I realized in the Google book that the book had been cut down as much as it was mm. I was like oh man you know I missed like a whole book basically yeah what,
0: that then, was really good then you can go back and read it and it's like you're uh, discovering another whole book yeah what about a movie
1: okay this one's gonna be harder. <laughs> I guess I'm just going to go ahead and go with one of Danny's films, because that's primarily what is on my mind right now. And there are so many good ones. Um, I think probably the top two for Danny that I would recommend would be Me and the Colonel. Um, If you can't get your hands on a DVD copy of it, it is currently on YouTube. Mm. Um, What is that one about?
0: Because I don't know if I watched that one or not.
1: Me and the Colonel is actually a more rare film of Danny's. And it actually flopped at the box office because people were expecting a comedy where he was going crazy like he usually does. And Ah, he actually played a serious role. Um, But it is the story of a Jewish refugee called S.L. Jakubowski, who um, is basically on the run from the Nazis. And he runs into a Polish soldier who was from his hometown of Horodenka. They had actually grown up together in Poland. And the colonel is horrendously anti Semitic. He doesn't like Jews. Mm. But Mr. Jakubowski sees that the colonel needs him in order to escape from the Nazis himself because the Nazis are after him too. And so he basically uses his wit and his know how and his knowledge of the colonel to maneuver it so that they end up having to travel together to get to their various points. And they end up forging a friendship with one another during the film. And it's it's very good.
0: Hmm. And this is a um, drama.
1: It is. It's considered a comedy, but it's a dramatic comedy. Oh,
0: OK. So there are little light moments in there.
1: Yes. Okay. Um there there is some comedy. However, Danny plays the straight man. It is actually ah. Kurt Jurgens who plays the colonel that does the funny things would, in the film. I would
0: love to watch that. That's a really good recommendation.
1: Yeah, it's it's a fabulous film and I really, I really love it. Um so the second film that I would recommend, basically in the same vein, I can't. Uh, honestly, I mean, all of Danny's films are absolutely wonderful. And any of them that you can get your hands on, by all means, please watch them all. He made 17. And I mean, they're just wonderful. But another film of Danny's that I just absolutely love. It was his last film film, but it was a TV movie and it was done in 1981. It was called
0: Skokie. Mm, Never heard of it.
1: It was based on the 1977 event. It's based on a true story of when uh, a neo-Nazi group from Chicago decided that they were going to march through the predominantly Jewish burg of Skokie in
0: Illinois.
1: Mm. And the people who lived in that town were primarily Holocaust survivors. Mm. And it just goes through... The panic and the terror and the confusion and the misunderstanding that the whole people went through and... Danny plays a character called Max Feldman, who is an elderly man who he and his wife, they married late. They have a very young 16-year-old daughter. She never knew her grandparents because they died in the Holocaust. And, you know, then they moved to the United States and gave birth to her very late. And, you know, they're both in their 70s and they're constantly being told by the Jewish leaders in their community, you know, just quarantine them, quarantine them. And Max stands up and he says, look, quarantine didn't work Mm. in Second World War. And you want us now, me, who is a survivor of this, who's actually been through this, who saw my mother's body lying on a lime pit in the concentration camp, me who has a mark on my arm. Do you recognize what this number is? You want me to stand up and quarantine When I've been through it and I know that quarantine didn't work in the Second World War, you think it's going to work now? And he basically just stands up to them and says, no, I'm not going to do that. None of us are going to do that. It didn't work then. It won't work now. We're going to fight. And it's just it's an incredibly moving story. And I, I honestly, I cannot tout it enough. It's a very touching film.
0: It sounds really good. And it's still relevant today. Absolutely.
1: Very much so. Yes,
0: that's a good recommendation. I, I I watch all the recommendations, by the way, listen to them. So I I will definitely oh, take part of that one. Okay, now an album.
1: Okay, album. Oh gosh. Well, <laughs> let me look through my playlist. <laughs>
0: um, are are you an album person or are you like a track person? Because most people nowadays they just listen to songs. They don't. They very rarely sit down and listen to a whole album
1: primarily a track person but when it comes to Danny K I'm an album person so I'm going to again with Danny K is that okay
0: <laughs> absolutely absolutely hey I'm the same way with Meg Ryan I everything she does I love absolutely
1: okay well I've got two for this one
0: okay sounds good
1: these are these are my favorites um the Danny K 1941 and 1952 album which was produced in 2004. And it's basically like kind of his greatest hits, Mm -hmm. but they have some songs in there that you wouldn't necessarily find elsewhere and they're original recordings. So it's not just a remake like you're going to find with the second album Mm -hmm. that I'm going to mention where he does it over again, but it's in a different format. It's Mm -hmm. the original recordings with the first concept that they had in mind. So it's a little different. Nice. And some of them were recorded earlier, so you can tell. You know, the recordings are a little scratchy, but that just adds to their charm.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I love they, that kind of sound.
1: Yeah. And then the other one is the Essential Recordings album. And again, you're going to find that it has several of the same songs on them, but these were the like the final, um, the the final recordings mm. that came later on, where they had decided they're going to stick with this format, and that's what it was. Mm. And um, actually, a film soundtrack I have to recommend of Danny's would be the the film soundtrack from The Five Pennies or even Hans Christian Andersen. Those those two, they're marvelous.
0: Mm. I love soundtracks. I love scores and soundtracks, both. Me too. Mm-hmm.
1: But I mean, you really can't go wrong with Danny. I mean, that voice, mm. it, whew, that voice. He trained himself to sing listening to Bing Crosby. I mean, Bing Crosby was his idol. Really? Wow. And
0: That's awesome. He, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, when he first started out, he he tried to emulate himself after Bing Crosby. So when he ended up doing White Christmas later on, he was over the moon, you know.
0: I would I would think that was the first thing I thought of when you said that.
1: Yeah, and then years later, like before he started doing tours, you know, in in Europe and everything in the late '40s, he actually trained himself to have a stronger singing voice by singing along to opera records in the shower. It drove mm. it, drove his wife nuts, but he <laughs> he learned. He was self-taught. He taught himself how to sing by by singing with records. And it's it's just incredible the 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 scope of vocal ability that he was able to to train himself. Mm. It, it's it's amazing listening to him because he's he's got perfect pitch. I mean I've, I've never heard him sing a, a sour note unless it was deliberately and he does <laughs> do that occasionally so it's yeah.
0: fun. <laughs> he's a funny guy. Fun guy. Mm. Okay, and in a Star Trek episode.
1: Star Trek episode. Oh, Lord. I haven't watched Star Trek in a really long time. Um, I guess my absolute favorite would probably have to be a mock time. That's a good one.
0: That has a good mm. soundtrack as well.
1: It does. Yeah. It does. And it, it's it's fun seeing Spock's history, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And um, fu- funny factoid. Not very many people know about this, but the the hand symbol that was created and a lot of the Vulcan culture was actually based off of Jewish culture. Mm. Leonard Nimoy uh, created it from his experiences in synagogue as a child. And it's very, very cool to, to see that integrated in.
0: Yeah, not many people know that. I think I found that out in uh, one of his books that I read. I'm not sure if it was I Am Spock or I'm Not Spock or...
1: I can't remember which one it was either. I have yeah. both of those too.
0: Yeah, they're pretty good. They're amazing. Good, good reads.
1: I loved. I have, I have the uh, the audio book of uh, "I Am Spock." Yeah, he reads um, that, right? Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. I haven't listened to it in a long time. I should. I should bring it out.
0: <laughs> uh, I haven't read or listened to my friend Leonard or whatever it is by oh, William Shatner yet?
1: It's wonderful. Is it? Is it's, it good? It's heartbreaking, but yeah, it's wonderful. It's
0: on my list, so I hope to soon.
1: I listened to it two years ago and made me cry.
0: Oh, so I'm looking forward to that. Next time on A Conversation with Albie, we have... Hi, I'm Allison Pregler. I own, as far as I know, the only Dreyer lint portrait of Dean Stockwell. Everything that I look back at, even if it was a, a good interaction or productive thing or whatever uh, instant regret instant guilt (laughs) so you know I can totally get like looking back why did I do that why am I no what did that really go that well I don't know (laughs) so what do you think of that Zoe I love it awesome (laughs) so that'll be next time and uh, before we go is there anything else you want to say or anything Mm,
1: parsnip (laughs) parsnip (laughs)
0: <laughs> i had to all right until next time i'm albie and i'm zoe uh, see you next time
1: thank you for joining us for this episode of a conversation with albie the podcast is hosted edited and produced by albert burge the announcer is zoe dean Original music and lyrics for A Conversation with Albie was written and composed by Felicia Frazetta. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Baron Space Productions, its partners, or affiliates. Support from listeners like you help keep this podcast operating. To support all of Albi's content creations, please visit us at patreon.com slash you can visit Baronspace.com to listen to new installments of this and other amazing podcasts from Baronspace Productions. A Conversation with Albie is available for download and easy listening wherever fine podcast programming is given away. A Conversation with Albie is a Baronspace production.
0: voice actors for audiobooks, like anything that Will Wheaton... Uh, I'll go back. Will, that Will Wheaton? Will um,
1: yeah. Note to self, when you have iced tea, dump it out later.
0: <laughs> I have over a hundred bottles of water and six gallons <laughs> in addition to that. been preparing for the hurricane.
1: You're set then, it sounds like.
0: Oh yeah. I don't like water, but I, I drink it during hurricanes because I think we're supposed to.
1: You're supposed to anyway, Albie
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was a great time. Thank you so much for doing that. I love having a conversation with my friends.
1: It was lots of fun too. I'm 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 actually surprised. I, I did not know that this podcast was a thing until nobody you invited me to it. It's and I that's that the best
0: had... thing. Nobody listens. Yeah. I mean, people do. I, I get a couple hundred <laughs> downloads, which shocks me per episode. And I'm like, why? Who? Yeah. How? But whatever. <laughs>
1: Now yeah. my friends know about this but everybody Like I I wow. guess
0: friends of the people <laughs> that I'm talking to but still I don't know